It's always good to be greeting each other. It's good to be part of the body. I love Sunday mornings because it's an opportunity for the body of Christ to come together after, you know, probably a long week of work and just the things of the world and just to be able to worship together in unity that we have in Christ. Let me pray this morning. Let me uh, seek the Lord as we are going to hear from him this morning, um, as I am a, just an instrument used by his glory. Father, we thank you for this time, Lord. We thank you for the goodness of the salvation that we have. Thank you, though, Lord, that you know each and every one of us and how we come through these doors, Lord. You know our hearts, you know our needs, our wants, you know even the sin that, uh, Lord, the sin that's challenging us and wanting us to we want to see you work in that Lord and Lord you know all these things and so Lord I pray that as we're here this morning that we would hear from you Lord I pray that we would let all burdens all things to you thank you God that you are merciful to us and each day your mercy is new we thank you because you are a good God a God who pursues us a God who loves and so we thank you that t even today as we hear from your word, there are going to be some things that are going to be challenging, Lord. All these things are for our benefit so that we would be more like your son, so that we would know you, that we would see God in our pure hearts, Lord. So I ask this in your name. Amen. This morning, I'll start off with a quote. One of my favorite uh, writers, John Owens, he says this. Do you mortify? Do you make it your daily work? Be always as you live. Seize not a day from his work. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. John Owens has got a book called The Mortification of Sin and this book, he's consistently writing the reality of sin and specifically sexual sin and why we must mortify it, why we must kill it. What is the reality? What is at stake when we don't do that? This morning, we will be talking about sexual sin. This morning, you might feel uncomfortable. This morning, you might hear some things and that's why we did send out an email earlier this week, because if there are kids here, there are going to be some sensitive things that we are going to talk about. And I think that it's necessary to talk about because the Bible never sways away from it. The Bible never sugarcoats it. It is. The Bible makes sure that it talks about the reality of sin and the way that we are called to live in such a reality. So this morning is not going to be any different. We are going to hear from God. My hope is that if you're here this morning and you struggle with sexual sin, lust, that you would hear from Jesus this morning. That you would hear the spirit of the living God and that he would meet you this morning. Because the reality is there is something at stake. There is something at stake 
when it comes to the sin of, of sexual sin. My main idea this morning, if you're taking notes, is very simple, very clear. Lust will destroy you. Therefore, kill the flesh before it kills you. We're going to explore two questions. Two simple questions. One, what does Jesus teach us about lust? And what does, question number two, what does Jesus teach us on fighting the flesh? So we're going to look at Jesus talking through what is lust. And then he, Jesus himself is going to give us, give us the application to this question. So let us look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. You have heard that it was said you should not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. That's Matthew 5, verse 27. See, in keeping with the you have heard... I say to you, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus explores now the seventh commandment found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. Thou should not commit adultery. The seventh commandment that states that sexual act outside of marriage between a man and a woman is adultery. There is no ifs or buts about it. That is the reality. So many of those hearing this in the crowd as they're listening to the Sermon on the Mount are probably thinking to themselves, well, this is a true reality. This is true. You should not commit adultery. And some of them in there were probably saying, well, whatever he's going to say next probably doesn't really pertain to me because I'm not, I'm not committed adultery. I'm a man in a, a, you know, I'm in a, a marriage with one woman. And they probably were just saying, okay, whatever he's going to say is not for me. Either you are an adulterer or you're not. It's very simple. But see, Jesus doesn't stop there, does he? See, Jesus sets the bar even higher. But he says in verse 28, But I say to you that everyone that looks at a woman with lustful intent, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. I want you to notice something in the text this morning. Notice that Jesus doesn't suggest that you might be committing adultery. No, he says you already have committed adultery. It isn't for debate. I'm pretty sure everybody's mindset in that audience changed. Because Jesus sets the bar high. 
See here, lust is defined as being consumed with sexual passion to objectify the other. Now I want to be very clear, this is not just a man issue, this is also a woman issue. Men and women both struggle with lust. It's not just something that I'm focusing on one group of, of, of people, but everyone included. So Jesus sets the bar. He says, anyone that looks at a woman with lust has already committed sin against his own heart. Now, I want to be careful. That does not mean that we can't admire natural beauty. Right? I'm married, and I love the way my wife looks. I am attracted to my wife. Some of us are here thinking, well, isn't that part of normal Humanity to see something attractive. As one commentary, commentary said, this, it's not the first look that is the problem. It's the second. It's the second look that is the problem. How are lust and adultery connected? One might notice a key word that Jesus says in this verse Verse 28, again, he says, I say anyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. In his heart. The heart here is, the heart in this verse is described as a feeling or imagination. Out of the heart comes a strong desire to act. Why does Jesus set the bar higher? Why does Jesus connect lust and adultery in the same category? Well, he does this because purity is not just an act, but it involves the full body and the soul. Purity is not just a reality of something that we actually do, but even our whole body, body, mind, and soul, the heart, all of that is included in what it means to be pure before the Lord. It's why in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, he says, Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for you will see God. When sin is left unchecked, it will cause destruction. It will cause us not to see God. Psalm 24 verse 3 says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart heart do we see the reality here that is not the just the physical act of sexual sin but it is the body the mind the soul the heart this is why jesus connects adultery and lust in the same thing it's no surprise that all sin starts in the heart it's why Jesus later on in Matthew chapter 12, and this is all the way in Matthew 12, he says, a good man out of the treasure of his own heart brings forth good. 
And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his own heart, brings forth evil. One can't stop to think that this is why in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 2, David sins. A few months ago, I preached on Psalm 51, and we talked about the, the, David coming and asking and pleading for forgiveness. I want to look there for a quick second because we're going to see a, a, a real example of what it means when someone loses sight of seeing God. When the heart moves somewhere else. Second Samuel chapter 11 verse 2, David sins against the Lord in a sexual sin. And this is what it says. And he came to pass in the evening. That day, that day, David rose from his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sins against Bathsheba. He sins against the Lord. David lost sight of God. He loses sight of God. He allows his imagination, he allows his heart to be corrupted. He allows himself to lust after someone who was not his wife. And he commits sin against the Lord ultimately because he lost sight of the beauty of God. See, here's the reality, church. There is nothing innocent of what our culture would call me telling us to go and have fun and explore. Go have fun. You got plenty of time to be married. The reality is that there's something at stake here. It is the reality that we will not see God in his fullness. John Owens again says this, the person who understands the evil in his own heart is the only person who is useful, fruitful, and solid in his beliefs and in obedience. We must recognize this reality that our hearts are deceitful. There is something at stake. We can't afford to stay lusting. We can't afford to continue in sexual sin. The reality is that we will miss seeing the beauty of God this morning. We all want to fully know God. We want to feel and experience the reality of who God is. But when we are living in sin, we will diminish that. We will not get to experience the beautifulness of the fullness of God. What are we to do? Well, see, this morning, Jesus doesn't just leave us on our own. He doesn't just say, okay, here's, here's the truth about lust. Here's the truth about adultery. No, he gives us application this morning. He gives us something tangible for us to be able to understand. Look at verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. 
For it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. I'll stop there. Well, no, let's actually keep going. Verse 29, verse 30. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. Now I want us to look at this passage, right? This passage, he's giving us two things. If your right hand causes you, or your, or your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out. If your right hand causes you to sin, tear it out. I want us to notice here that this two verses are focusing on both the mind, the mind and the body. And these two verses, as he focuses us on the eye, which is the gateway to sexual sin. The act of lust is the act of imagination, is the act of thoughts. And the act of the hand is describing the actual acting of the, the sexual sin, the actual reality of it. Now, anyone reading this might be tempted to say, this is a bit graphic, Joey. Does Jesus really expect us to cut off our right hand or cut off or guide our eyes out? No. I don't think this is not Jesus saying you must do that. Rather, what Jesus wants us to know is the seriousness of such sins and what we're called to do, putting it to death. Jesus isn't joking around here. Jesus isn't sugarcoating this reality. He is saying, listen, if your members of your body are causing you to sin, you must kill it. There's no time to play. There's no game here. This is a reality. It will distort everything about knowing and loving me. Jesus wants us to see the reality of this. Verse 29, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. Again, it was David looking at Bathsheba that caused David to sin. The eyes are a powerful tool given to us by God to behold his glory, to worship with our eyes. But if we're not careful, it is also the gateway to kill any believer in the, uh, in, in the reality of imagination. When we are lusting in our eyes, it will distort, it will kill that reality of knowing God. What causes lust if not by seeing, by imagination? It might be as simple as strolling at night on Instagram. And finding yourself lusting over a photo or a video that eventually leads to the road of destruction. See, the reality, temptation itself is not a sin. But when we entertain our temptation, it gives birth to sin. James talks about that. We must be watchful and careful about the things that we do with the things that God has given us, such as our eyes. Verse 29. If you're, verse 20, yet, yeah, 
Verse 30, and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body to go into hell. Verse 29 speaks, verse 30, I'm sorry, speaks of the reality of giving into temptation. The hand that God gave you to worship and use for his glory and use for his purposes can also be used for sin. There are many ways that we can use our hands for sin. And Jesus is saying, if it's your right hand that is causing you to sin, he says, cut it off. We'll talk about what that looks like in a practical way in just a little bit. I just want us to see Romans. It says, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Paul says, listen, use your body for the glory of God. Use it and present yourself as a way that shows that you have been brought from death into life. When we are pursuing God, we got no time to look and, and lust. Use your body for the glory of God. Jesus says, kill it before it kills you. It's no reality that sexual sin is a small spark that has the potential to set a whole person into a blazing fire. And one thing that Jesus doesn't shy away from is the reality of hell. Jesus talks about hell. Hell is a reality. It is what happens when we continue to live in sexual sin. It if we continue to live in sin, it ultimately means that we do not truly know who God is. Any of us who goes on to practice sin ultimately needs to ask the question, are we found in Christ? If we continue to play with the fire and continue to think that God is going to somehow overlook this continual sin, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, he will not. Something is at stake here. What are we to do? Jesus says simply, take Jesus at his word. Repent. This morning, if that's you, if, we, if it's you who are struggling with this reality, if you are given into sexual sin, the Lord invites you to repent and be restored this morning. The Lord calls you to say, hey, receive my mercy this morning unto you. I love you, and there is mercy in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't have to be the way it is right now. What are we to do? Let me give you some practical ways that for those of us who are believers this morning that struggle with sexual sin. If you struggle with porn this morning, 
What are you doing to kill that? What are you doing this morning to attack that and kill the flesh? One can say, hey, maybe it's time to, you know, have an accountability partner. Maybe it's time for you to kill your phone. Remove access to the internet. Maybe some of us here need to repent and seek restorations with our brothers and sisters this morning. The Bible talks about confessing is healing. Seek your brothers and sisters in confession. There is ways to break free from sin. And it is by simply going to a brother and sister and confessing sin. And say, brother, sister, I need to be in the light. The devil loves to keep you in the darkness because he loves to, let, to, to keep you in that hiding spot. You want to break that chain? Confess your sin. Then he has no hold against you because your brothers and sisters are there to pray and point you to the living God. This morning, if you are having sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend, it's time to break up. If you are claiming the reality that you are a Christian this morning, but you are continually living in a life of sin, you are disgracing the name of Christ. We must be like our brother Joseph in Genesis when he flees from sin, flees from it. We must be fleers of lust. We must be fleers of sexual sin. We must know our enemy because you're going against someone who knows you better than you know yourself. He is observant. He knows what causes you to sin and stumble. He is like a roaring lion ready to devour. We must be awake. But here's the reality. If I walk out of there here and just say, all right, Good luck. Figure it out. You will fail every single time. You will fail every single time. Because in our own strength, we cannot accomplish this reality. There is no accomplishing this reality on our strength. God knows how much I have tried. And that does not work. We all can say, we know what it feels like to do things in our own strength. We will fail. The good news of God is that he doesn't let us on our own. But he gives us a strength in our weakness. He has given us a spirit who has come down so that he, the helper, will come to help us live. What does it mean to be a Christian? We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us that will tell us what does it mean to walk in the Spirit. We're going to see this in a couple different ways. Number one, we see the Spirit. We need the Spirit to fight for new affections. One of the ways that we conquer sin, one of the ways we conquer lust, one of the ways that we conquer the reality of sexual sin is by being satisfied in Christ. We need a new affection. We need something that takes away what's currently in our lives and replace it with what is good. We need our hearts to be restored. We need to be able to see God in his glory and all that he is. 
We can't kill sin if our hearts are not led with Christ. We don't need lust because we have everything we need in Christ. We need a new affection, one that replaces the continual going to sexual sin, pornography, sex with our boyfriend or girlfriend. We need Christ to satisfy us. And we do this by being together in his word, by communing with God, by continually walking in the spirit. Number two, we need the spirit to help us marvel at the glory of God. It is hard to give in to lust when we are knowing and seeing the glory of God. When we are seeing God and we are marveling at the things that God is doing, not just in my life, but in your life and the, 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 the body life, we will start seeing the sexual sin appetite diminish. Because we're marveling at something so much greater, we have no time for that business. Because our king has satisfied us with everything we need. His marvelous glory. We need that. And lastly, oh, lastly, we need the spirit to help us trust in the redemption of our souls. Because here this morning, some of us are saying, Joey, I know what you're saying. I know what, I, I, I trust in Christ, but, but I, I keep falling and I keep sinning and I don't know what to do. I'll tell you this morning, Romans 8, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This morning, you might struggle with this reality. I don't know what to do. But the Lord does. God does. We need the Spirit to help us trust in the redemption of our souls, to remind us that we belong to Him and that He Himself is working in us to make us more like Himself. Even in our scandalous sin, the blood of Christ is sufficient to cover us. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life has set you free. Christian, if you're here this morning and you're struggling with sin, the, God has set you free by the spirit of the living God. You don't have to continue to sin. You can be free. If you're not a Christian this morning, I invite you to come and know this marvelous king that we serve. If you're not a Christian this morning, you are not seeing God, but you can. You can this morning. Jesus fights for us. He mediates for us, brothers and sisters. Even when we fail and we sin over and over again, Jesus fights for us. He mediates for us. He is our brother who was tempted like us, but did not sin. First Corinthians chapter 10 says, verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. 
He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. This morning, I want you to be reminded of that. God fights for you. He will provide a way out. No temptation is not, that is not common to man. Brothers and sisters, we need Christ this morning. In our strength, we will fail. And guys, we will fail. We will fall. But we have a Redeemer who will pick us up, who will give us mercy. Because you know what? That's the business that Jesus is in. He loves to forgive sinners. And guess what? He pursues us, even when we don't pursue him. There is hope this morning, even though the text seems to be the reality that something is at stake here. I don't want us to walk away from that, re that reminder there. To live in sin is to not be pure in heart and therefore miss who God is. It does lead to, to, to hell. But the gospel is what gives us the freedom, gives us deliverance. Matthew 8, Matthew 5a, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for you will see God. Is that not what we want to see this morning? Do we not want to see his marvelous works, his, the kingship of who he is? So I plead with you this morning, church, as we end, fight sin, kill sin. Run to Jesus. Flee from sin. Trust in his strength, not yours. Pursue Christ, for he will satisfy you above anything else. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. And we ask the Lord that you will Help us, Lord, as we struggle with, if we struggle with these things, Lord, I pray that you would uh, speak to us this morning. Help us put away sin. Help us to kill sin, Lord. Let us pursue you in all things that we do. May we be satisfied in you, Jesus. We may be so satisfied in you that we will pursue nothing else but you, Lord. May our hearts, Lord, be restored. Be restored to see you and behold your glory. Help us, Spirit, that when we fail, help us to see Jesus. Help us to walk in light of the Spirit this morning. Help us to give our lives to you. We are people that are needy. And Jesus, we ask that you will give us the strength to continue to live a life that is worthy of the calling that you have given us. So this morning, we give you all the glory. We ask for wisdom. In your name we pray. Amen.